Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. How the fuck you doing? How the fuck you doing? This is a new intro, Dark. I need some feedback, though. I need some feedback from the theater goers on that little intro. But you're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Sylvia. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Andre Emmett, former forward for Texas Tech, played for Bob Knight. He subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. Here a little insight. You're you're upset with me right now because I delayed the start of this show. Right? Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, before we get into why I'm upset with you, Andre Emmett, nice refy. I'm sure it's tying back to uh, uh, Tech's win over Chalk this past weekend. I appreciated the Bob Knight loop. We can get a little Bob Knight in there, and I believe that Andre Emmett team. One, I don't think they were ever wildly successful, that Texas Tech team in the early 2000s. But I seem to remember just like weird memories in my brain, them playing St. Joe's the year that St. Joe's was the one seed and had Delonte West and Jameer Nelson and then went on to play. St. Joe's went on to play Oklahoma State with John Lucas, and they kept showing John Lucas's dad in the stands. And I remember watching that at the ESPN zone in downtown Manhattan. With I remember you. that. I remember that. That was John Lucas. He was a, yeah. John Lucas was the point guard of that Oklahoma state team. And you're right. Jameer Nelson, who by the way, has a kid now who I think is a senior or a junior in high school and getting looks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, where am I right now? After that, that tangent, we just went on, we, we ended up in New York, but yeah, nice, nice refi on Andre Emmett. Um, the other thing, nice intro. I like that a little play on uh, Jean Ralphio as well. Uh, I mean, that would be a Jean Ralphio. No, it was, that would be a uh, Tom Haverford, right? This is the Haverford. Haverford. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm trying to do my own Haverford. That's good. Um, but yes, I am upset with you. Well, so here's the thing. What happened was we had originally planned for 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I'm going to go on Mountain Standard Time, not Eastern Eastern Time. Right now it's 7.20 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So you're early. You texted us saying, hey, I'm ready if you guys are. Now, granted, I did respond saying that I was ready as well. But it's still early. Then the Providence-Butler game, which I don't know what's happening. I, I, I got zero eyes on Providence-Butler, which Butler just had a really awesome comeback towards the end of the game to force overtime. And so I told you I want to watch the end of that. Unfortunately, that didn't finish in regulation, so I'm meeting you halfway like Fergie. And then I also wanted to finish the theater in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech just upset number three-ranked Duke. So I think, I think I'm in the right here. I know I'm in the right. Well, you're not the right. First of all, using mountain standard time as some sort of default that everyone that's listening to the show is going to be running off of. is just absurd in its own right. Nobody operates off mountain standard time. This is an Eastern time zone world that we're living in. And I need you to come meet me on the Eastern time zone here uh, to think that you're going to somehow sway people to identify with your time zone is frankly just absurd. Uh, second point, what you were doing, it, 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 very disrespectful. So when you, when you get there, you're pulling what Barstool Reeks did with us when we were trying to get him on the show. I mean, I, I have no issue saying that right now. This guy was trying to big time us. He, he was saying, oh, I, I can't come do the show at this time. You know, it's tipping off in Syracuse. Oh, I can't do it right now. We're tipping off in, you know, uh, Boise state. It's just ridiculous. Like at, at some point there's always going to be something that you're watching and that's what you're doing right now. You're referencing Providence playing Butler, two teams that are not going to make the tournament. I get it's relevant to the Providence crier who's coming on the show later on today, but at some point have, have some respect for my time. We say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. We're ready to go. You're ready to go. Let's do the show while you're over there watching, you know, tweeting and texting about uh, all these games that are getting on in the end multitask. Well, so again, while watching the games. Again, what I want to do is, is let you in on a little secret. Again, you, you, you said that we were going to do it at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's right now 722 Mountain Standard Time. Okay. So again, that's strike one. Strike two is that this is theater. I don't care what the teams are. I don't, I don't control the endings. All right. If Providence had finished off that game in regulation, we'd be good to go. We'd probably be knee deep, ass deep in last week in deep. So this isn't on me. All right. Yeah, but I mean, theater is going to exist no matter no matter what's going on in our lives. At some point, you got to do the show. So when I tell you I'm ready to do the show, and you tell me you're ready to do the show, let's do the damn show. There's always going to be excitement on TV. What are we on Mark Standard Time now? That's what MST really is. Mark Standard Time. You you communicated to me that you were ready. I communicated to you that I was ready, and then we just sat in this standstill while you. Watch Providence play Butler. Like, life, life happens. You're, life you're, happens. I mean, you're you're Reeks in me. You pull the Reeks. Here's life happens. All right. Strike three is that you said, "All right, let me give me some time to set up," which I took to mean as you would text me after you're all set up, ready to go. Didn't get that text, so I thought I had some some minutes to go. Nah, it, it should be implied that log on to G Chat at that point. But let's do the damn show. Let's dive into last week in Thiet. A lot to cover in a short time. As you alluded to, we do have the Providence Crier coming on later this episode, which I'm looking forward to. 
And I actually, I think my first question is who won the Providence game? Cause you rudely ripped me away from that. But last week in feet, you got to start off with the Zion injury. Zion Williamson, if you've been living under a rock, blew through his shoe and suffered a mild knee sprain in the biggest rivalry game of the entire year in all of the sports calendar. Carolina at Duke and Carolina essentially just ran away with it. Last episode, you said that you were looking forward to the Luke May and Zion matchup. Unfortunately, we didn't get that and it killed Duke because Luke May, I think, went for 30 plus points. So the Zion injury, obviously huge, but that led to a bigger conversation, not only in the college basketball world, but NBA players chiming in as well as agents, everyone, I mean, lit the whole fucking world on fire, not just college basketball, but it was this discussion of what should Duke do with Zion or what should Zion do for himself? Should he shut it down? And because he's clearly the number one overall pick and should he risk any more injury for not getting paid at all? And then there's the other side of the equation where people are saying, fuck that. No, Zion made a commitment. He should be playing for Duke and it would be selfish of him. Now we saw this in college football with Nick Bosa, who Nick Bosa is it Nick is Nick the Ohio State guy or is Joey? It's Nick, right? The one right now is Nick. Joey's in the Thank league. They, they both played at Ohio State, though. Nick shut it down, though. Uh, so Nick shut it down this past year. So a lot of people are saying Zion should do that. I don't think Zion should shut it down. And we've had this discussion plenty of times in our group chat, and we're going to have to revive this discussion right now. Again, I don't think he should shut it down. I also don't think that he should get paid or all college basketball players should get paid. I do think that he should be able to profit off his likeness. Now, if we're operating in the world right as it is right now where they can't go to the NBA, then he should be able to profit off his likeness. The amount of people that are wearing Zion jerseys, I'm sure the counterfeit or whatever they're selling in the Duke bookstore, he should get a cut of that profit. Now, this is all so easily uh, – there's, there's such an easy solution to this, and that's to let them go to the pros. Let them go straight to the league out of, out of high school, and we can avoid all of this nonsense. But in the current operating structure as it is today, you got to let them profit off their own likeness, at least get a cut, because this is such a transcendent talent that it would be such a waste to see him – suffer a severe injury luckily this wasn't severe but career-threatening injury in college yeah man to be honest i i don't give a fuck about this argument it, it's become so tired you know what what to do with the one and dones it's becoming the lebron mj who's the goat type argument where you just it, it's so it's so established as the water cooler talk of America with respect to sports right now that, you know, I, I, I'm frankly just, I don't give a damn. I mean, to think I'm with you on a, you know, likeness, if these guys can sell their jerseys while they're there in school then go for it, or if they want to go to the draft, they should be able to do that as well. But to think that college basketball is thriving because of Zion Williamson, that's where I would disagree college basketball is going to survive and thrive without Zion Williamson. I mean, I hate to tell you Zion, but well before you, there was boring players like Shavlik Randolph and Sheldon Williams and Carlos Boozer playing your exact position at Duke. And they were still stars and it still captivated the nation. So they can coexist. The, you know, college basketball is going to be fine 
without these phenomenal one and done athletes that are going to be great players in the NBA. And those NBA players are going to be fine as well without college basketball. I agree. I, you're right. I'd, I'd watch terrible basketball if it featured two college teams, because you know, there's always going to be those crazy upsets in March madness. And that doesn't necessarily come from the stars. It actually comes from the little guys upsetting those stars. So the Zion injury really shook the entire college basketball world, but Duke is feeling it. Now, this is another point that I would just really want to briefly touch on about the Zion injury. They're one and two since he went down. I mean, if you want to, he did play technically in the Carolina game, but still uh, they, their only win is against Syracuse, but they lost to Carolina and they just lost right now in Blacksburg to a pretty decent Virginia tech team. But here's my gripe. I'm seeing a ton of tweets. Maybe it's strictly from blue devil Twitter, but they're saying, oh man, if you lose a guy of Zion's caliber, of course, they're going to struggle in the almighty ACC. No, 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 no. Cannot buy that, will not buy it. You still have all Americans all over the court. You got McDick's All Americans and RJ Barrett. You got Cam Reddish. Alex O'Connell still dropped 20 points, right? These guys are still the eminent, preeminent favorite in the ACC. They still have the firepower and the talent. They, they should have gotten blown out at home by Carolina. You can take into account the, the personal psyche or the psychological aspect of losing their, their best player at the very beginning of the game. I'm not going to let that slide, though. Trey Jones as well. How did I not mention Trey Jones? You still have all this firepower, and they lost again here to Virginia Tech. And maybe it was a letdown game. Who knows? But I think the Carolina blowout loss was the most inexcusable. Again, Carolina is very good as well. But that should have been a competitive game, even with Zion out. So I don't buy the the bullshit that because Zion's out, this is why they're struggling. I will say, though, that a couple episodes ago, uh, I said that Trey Jones was their best player or their most important player. That's not true. I lied. And I was wrong. It's Zion Williamson because they are sub 500 team in the small sample size that we have without them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at their schedule, this past three game stretch was probably the hardest three game stretch that they had all year. So let's reserve judgment until they don't play against a top 10 team in both offensive and defensive efficiency in North Carolina. Don't play at the carrier dome against a good Syracuse team an experienced Syracuse team and don't play on the road against Buzz Williams. And then we'll see how good this team really is. Moving on. We got to get into your wheelhouse. This is the second time in as many weeks shark where we have to address a tough Tennessee loss last week. It was Tennessee at Kentucky getting their doors blown off this week. They traveled to Baton Rouge again last week. We both said that they would come away with a tough victory in Baton Rouge. You seemed a little bit more convinced than I was because this LSU team is strong, gritty, and very good. And they pulled off the overtime upset against Tennessee. Let me ask you, man, what was Grant Williams thinking at the end there? I don't, you're asking about the wrong guy. It's not what Grant Williams was thinking. He made a mistake. He was trying to get the ball. It's what was Lamonte Turner thinking. That's the question you should be asking. And, you know, I was confident in us winning. I, I assume that, you know, our veteran leadership on the team would know that in a close game, you should give the ball to Grant Williams on every, every single tight possession. But apparently that was just lost on a good old Lamonte right there. So, I, I mean, it's, it's a disappointing loss. Um, you know, Waters didn't even play. LSU looks more athletic than us. 
we look our role players look exposed but again i'm not going to panic we got kentucky coming to town this weekend and if it's if the team's still looking like this in the sec tournament then i'll be concerned but it was a tough afternoon in baton rouge I think also what might be the most concerning amongst a few other things, maybe is that Nas Reed for LSU only scored one point and they still came out with the win. If you told me that Admiral Schofield was going to have an incredible game, Grant Williams didn't have his best game, but he still was effective down the stretch, which is all, all you can ask for out of your best player, right? Yeah, Grant but, Williams, every single time he touched the ball was getting to the hoop and scoring Nas Reed though. At the end of the told game, Rick, hold on, hold on. I got right, right there because this is everyone's using the Nas Reed thing. Like it's another example of Tennessee's getting fortunate that Nas Reed didn't even score and that waters didn't even play. Well, okay. Nas Reed didn't score because we took him out of the game entirely. Nas Reed didn't score because he's not very skilled. He's not that good of a player. Tennessee was able to defend against that. On the other hand, Grant Williams was horrible in that game. So it should be used against LSU. LSU, you didn't get a full batch of 19 and 8 that Grant normally puts up. You, you what did Admiral put it together? Well, you got, you got the Admiral performance, though, in okay, lieu of Grant our Williams. Lead, he's a, our second leading scorer. Grant Williams is, should be the SEC player of the year. He should be. So, I mean, he was literally airballed a layup in the first half. Granted. So I'm so sick of the, oh, no waters and zero well, points from, from Reed. Sh- shut up. I mean, you can't tell me Nas Reed isn't, isn't talented, though. He's, he's an NBA player. He was probably the, no, he's probably going to be the guy on that court that's going to get picked the highest in the, in the NBA right. draft. So Tennessee should be credited for taking him out of the game. I, I understand. That. I'm not saying that Nas Reed had a bad game because of himself. I, I credit Tennessee. But if you, again, facts are facts. If you tell Rick Barnes at the beginning of the game, Nas Reed's only going to score one singular point and Waters is going to be out got to feel pretty good about that going into it right with grant with a fully loaded roth roster and a healthy healthy admiral who was playing very well yeah well rick probably didn't expect lsu to shoot 25 more free throws than tennessee did but hey that, that, there we go there we go did you see that uh i, I think clay travis tweeted it yeah, Anthony Jordan. He, yeah i know he, he's an lsu fan he's from Baton rouge he's tweeting photos i, I know about it i don't want to waste my breath on it because it's still february and it's not a story from my perspective. So I, I added my thoughts. My thoughts are given to you. I thought it's an, it, the one guy I'm angry at. It's not you. It's not Naz Reed. It's not even Will Wade, who looks like a goddamn lunatic on the court. It's Lamonte Turner. All right. So that's what my focus is on right now. And I appreciate it if we can move on to the next topic. Well, I'm not going to move on to the next topic just yet because I want to get something off my chest in terms of who I'm angry towards. And that's the LSU fan base. They have a golden goose of a song a rally song when things get hot, when there's theater, when the crowd gets turned up, when there's one of the 3 million fucking reviews that they had during that LSU Tennessee game, they got a great song in Colin Baton Rouge. Okay. Garth Brooks, who I've seen live, very much worth it. They got a great song. Sweet home. Alabama is an awesome song. Rocky top, incredible song where you just belt it at the top of your lungs during a TV timeout. LSU, man, bunch of fucking choir boys, barely a peep, barely a peep. And they got such a good song, such a great rally song in the in clutch moments of the game. You got to belt it out, LSU crowd. I understand this isn't football. I understand this isn't Saturday night in Death Valley. But you got to put something, you got to give me a better effort than that. Because you're about to take down 
one of the top four, top five teams in the entire country on your home court. You got Garth. Blow it out. Blow the roof off. So I was pretty upset with that. Very underwhelmed. Yeah, I, I agree. When they were singing the song, Sweet <clears throat> Rouge. No, when I had a little tickle. Sweet Man Rouge. I could have used a lot there. They, they were singing it. They just weren't singing it with any gusto, which was weird because yeah. when they panned to the crowd, everyone in that crowd was an LSU frat boy. I didn't think there was any women or at least any female students that were in that crowd. It was all a bunch of frat guys, and they're really excited early on, but they did not sing the you know, calling Baton Rouge with any sort of energy. Moving on to the big 12. I think we finally have a new regular season champion. The witch, the wicked witch is dead. That's actually pretty good because it, it, it goes with Dorothy, right? And the wizard of Oz, she's in Kansas. Let's go work with me, work with me here. Kansas, not going to win the big 12 after getting absolutely obliterated in Lubbock at the hands of Texas Tech. Last week, I said that Kansas was somehow going to pull off this win. You actually said Texas Tech was going to run away. So, hug for you. You were absolutely correct. I think they won 92-61. to 61, An absolute beatdown. And this is the exact type of game that everyone not named Kansas in the Big 12 needed to have the past, like, 10 years when they were going on this run. I think this was the result of just pent-up frustration. When you, when you just... When you're on vacation with family or something and you don't bust a nut for two weeks and you come home and it just goes, it just goes insane sprays everywhere. That's what Texas tech did of uh, 10 years of not busting a nut for the rest of uh, the teams in the big 12, not named Kansas. So Kansas, I think we can pretty much declare them out of the big 12 race. And it's between Kansas state and, and Texas tech. And actually Kansas state had a pretty bad loss in Lawrence, right? So Texas Tech with the inside track on the Big 12 title. Yeah, Tech should have it. Um, Kansas State, not dead yet. I mean, they got Baylor coming to Manhattan this weekend. Um, It is tough to keep up with. I almost need to just wait to see what happens this week. You know, fire up my ESPN.com standings and take inventory on Sunday evening as we go into that final stretch and see what can happen. But where I have it, I think Texas Tech is in the best position. It's going to be an interesting finish to the season. And again, it's going to be weird seeing someone outside of Lawrence celebrating that big 12 title, but it had to come to an end. And I think everyone knew with the turmoil with Sylvia D'Souza and also the Doke injury and also, uh, Legerald Vick taking his, uh, taking his time away from the team because of personal reasons. If you're going to beat Kansas, this was the year. And I think Texas tech is, Prime to do that. I was wrong about Kansas beating Texas Tech, but I was right about declaring Villanova dead a couple weeks ago. They are no longer ranked. I think they're the losers of two or three straight, maybe three out of four, two out of three. I don't know what it is. I'm not here for the percentages, but I declared them dead. And I think they were ranked 17 this past week. And I tweeted on Sunday, I said, So are we going to get rid of Villanova from the rankings? And someone, again, I have no clue. Someone tweeted at me, said, at 17, no. They'll drop, but they'll stay in. They're gone. Villanova tumbles completely out of the rankings. And if they're not careful, they got Marquette at home, who's already beaten them and is red hot right now. They do have Marquette at home, but if they lose that and then maybe lose a few more, 
Is there a scenario where Jay Wright and his boys don't even make the tournament? No, no scenario whatsoever in any universe, in any galaxy. It's not happening. Give me a doomsday scenario, baby. Doomsday. Just when you look at the bubble this year, the teams are so bad. I mean, I'm going to talk about a few later on in the show, but the bubble sucks. You, You got some really, really bad teams like Minnesota who lost to Rutgers on Sunday night is still somehow in Joey Brackett's bracket. But I, you shouldn't be able to lose in Piscataway, wherever the hell the Rutgers is. You know, did I get that right? It's Piscataway, oh yeah. Uh, not that bad. Uh, but you shouldn't lose that game and still be on the bubble line. So Villanova, they're most likely, yeah, they've sucked lately. They're most likely going to end up in that, I'd say, 7 seed to 10 seed range, which to me is dangerous. If you're a one seed and you got Villanova, that's an eight or a nine seed. Do you really want to see them in the second round? No, no, for sure. Not obviously with their tournament. Yeah, I mean, give me like NC state or Baylor or, you know, Mississippi state, those traditional eight, nine seeds right there, rather than freaking Villanova. I mean, come on. Now I want to be abundantly clear when I declared them quote unquote dead, the definition of dead meant no longer a threat to make a final four or even the Elite Eight. So this is how you cover your bets right here. This is how you cover your tracks and make sure that you're going to be right at the end of the day. But you're right. I, I don't want to see them as an eight seed if I'm like a Kentucky Villanova matchup. Think about that. Think about that. Well, that implies Kentucky's going to be a one seed. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen, my friend. Uh, Mr. Butterball himself has them on the one line, if I'm not mistaken, well, right now. They're, they have to go to Knoxville this weekend. They'll probably lose, and then they'll go to the SEC tournament. Whoever wins the SEC tournament out of Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU will be the one seed from the SEC, and the other ones will not. LSU is not, not going to get a one seed. Stop it. If they, win the, if they win out and win the SEC tournament? Uh, they're not going to win out, though. Will Wade, American, too much of an American gangster. A gangster enough where he's going to be testifying, subpoenaed to testify in federal court, but... We'll leave that out. Last piece of information I want to bring up from last week in theater. I very well could have given this guy a hug, but I'm going to reserve that for someone else. McCall Mayween for Kansas State. He missed three dunks against West Virginia. I'm talking point blank dunks. These weren't even contested at all. Mayween just put it in the hoop, man. And I don't know, it hit back iron. He slipped on one. Just terrible for McCall Mayween. Luckily, West Virginia is god awful. And Kansas State won comfortably. But McCall Mayween missing three dunks last week. The other reason I wanted to bring him up, because I'm in a singing mood tonight. I started the show off with a little rendition. Uh, and McCall Mayween's name is very ripe for one of my favorite songs of all time. And that's Florida Georgia Lines, May We All. Sing it with me. May we... we. May uh, we know. I thought we were going McCall way. No, because no, you got to go May Ween when he oh, says May We. We're not even involving the first name. Well, I'm trying to involve the first name because he's got all at the end of his first name, right? So we need to get back to the greatest song to do what we're, we're trying to do right now is I Hold On, Dirk Bentley, where you take any name with three syllables. And just throw it into where Dirks is going. I hold. Oh, I'm about to pass it to you right now. Give, give me, give me the Auburn coach. Give it to me. 
Gus. Val. Val. Zahn. There you go. Yeah. Yes, that's good. All right. Well, I need your help. We need to workshop McCall Mayween into May We All. And, and somehow that is going to dictate how far I take Kansas State in the tournament this year. Yeah, we'll think tank it. That's good. That was last week in feet. Catch us up on upcoming feet. Upcoming feet. I mean, there's a game, 2 o'clock. I feel like I'm, we're doing this every week. Tennessee's had a few big weeks. Uh, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here because we have to go into Oxford tomorrow night. You know, that's Wednesday night, so tonight if you're listening to this in your car. But uh, Tennessee is at home in the Tommy Bowl against Kentucky on Saturday at 2 p.m. Huge game, revenge game. Uh, obviously, Kentucky is going to have their built-in excuse because Reed Travis is likely not going to play with his injury that he suffered in the game against Missouri. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he he, he was a factor against Tennessee the first time because Kyle Alexander has been very – uh, as soft as cool whip, as they would say, um, getting pushed around in the paint. But I, I, I do think Tennessee is going to respond. We're tough to beat at home. Um, and we've been away from home for some time now in a big game. That is, we played Vanderbilt last week, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, if you beat Vanderbilt by 14 at home, did, did it even happen? Um, but anyways, the game is big in, ten, in Knoxville, uh, but obviously it's the – you're really last chance at a good win heading into the tournament. And the tournament I think is going to be what separates um, the teams when it comes to seeding for selection Sunday. Talking Tennessee yet again, I wasted saliva a couple of weeks ago on Pavloving for that game. I'm not going to Pavlov for this game. Cause I actually think Tennessee is going to win pretty comfortably. I think they're going to have an incredibly difficult week of practice where Rick Barnes just rides their ass and knows how they've let, a few games slip away from them. Maybe not slip away against Kentucky, but they just weren't prepared to to play in a big time matchup. The game against LSU, they could have won. I think being at home on a Saturday, Thompson bowling arena is going to go insane. They're going to have the revenge factor for them. I got Tennessee by eight to 10 points. So yeah, again, uh, hopefully I didn't give you the kiss of titch. No, I, I hope not as well but i they can't look ahead Ole miss is not is a tough team at home as well and they got them tomorrow night um the next game is actually a game that espn is most excited about it's where college game day is going to be i think it's going to be in a place that it's never been for college basketball it's in houston texas where the one loss houston cougars are playing central florida now you're automatically thinking, what's this called? College football? You know, these two teams are were relevant there, but they're actually both. I mean, everyone knows Houston's good, but Central Florida is dangerous. This is a dangerous team. If you were bored on Sunday, this past Sunday, and then there's nothing to watch at around noon or one Eastern time, Father, then you could have saw uh, Central Florida against SMU, and they literally beat them by almost 50 points. Central Florida is dangerous. So watch out for them. I don't expect them to win in Houston. I mean, Houston, that place is going to be absolutely fired up to have game day there and also have their team who I think they're ranked number eight in the country now. And which is very surprising because they, people expected them to fall off when they lost, you know, man bun Rob gray, but they have, it's a Corey Davis jr. He was a, he was a, 
probably their second leading scorer on the team last year. He's their best player this year. They got the guy uh, that was at UMass last year, Dejan Drua, a beautiful New Orleans name. Dejan Drua could be a dish at uh, Commander's Palace, but he's a he's a good facilitator on the Houston Cougars. And they're going lining up with uh, Central Florida. And Central Florida, obviously, the most notable guy on that team is Taco Fall, uh, the seven foot six Senegal uh, guy from Senegal. He's a mammoth, um, but it'll be something to watch at four on uh, on Saturday. Hey, man, I gave love to the American Athletic Conference a couple of weeks ago. I was telling it's actually so. I'm I'm not trying to barge in here. It's actually good, pretty good. It's pretty good because we haven't even talked about Cincinnati. We got Cincinnati next week against Houston as well, and even Memphis. The Memphis boys. Memphis is not dead. Memphis is not dead. I'm with you, Father. There's a lot to be excited about the AAC. Like you had mentioned, you have a legitimate Final Four contender in Houston, I think. Anything can happen in March. And if you're playing this well and you only have one loss on the entire season, and they're going to be motivated by last year's loss against Michigan, who they should have beat. They should have beat the team that was the national runner-up. Yeah, Jordan so, Poole hit a half-court shot to win the game. Exactly. So Houston has that in their, their tummies. All right. They got this year where nobody is talking about them again. And they've only lost one singular game and Houston is going to come out. And I think they're going to beat UCF, but UCF is a very good team as well. Taco fall, as you had mentioned, but also Johnny Dawkins, kid, I think his name's Andre Dawkins. No, Andre Dawkins was the guy for, for Duke a couple of years ago, but Aubrey Dawkins, Aubrey, that's his name. Yep. Aubrey Dawkins, I think he's like 24 years old, though. So get old as fuck, man. <laughs> Once this is over, you might have to get a nine to five. But enjoy this year, Aubrey, because you're playing well. So that's another team. You mentioned Cincinnati, who's always going to be hovering around that 25 ranking. And and that, this year, they may be a bubble team or they might be uh, comfortably oh, in. They're ranked, yeah. Cincinnati's nasty. To the, the tournament. tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I apologize. I haven't been following Cincinnati at all. They're so goddamn boring, but they'll be there. So that's three tournament teams for the AAC. And then you also have incoming new new blood, right? So this year they're, they got Danny Hurley with UConn and hasn't been much of a success this year, but you have to be optimistic moving forward if you're a UConn fan. You also have James Wiseman coming to the conference next year, going to Memphis, the best player in the entire country. And all, obviously the barn guys – the rest of the, the staff here on the podcast network are going to be turned for that. Yeah. So the you American missed, is, is on the, is on the up and up. You missed another tournament team too. temple temple is very much on the bubble. They should get in. They're the only team that's beaten Houston this year. Um, so temple and Houston, they beat LSU. So Houston is legit. They're good. So yeah. This is my plea to everyone. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a traditional, I only know the power five conferences, I only pay attention to the top 25 rankings. I don't care about the mid-majors. Use this Saturday. Culture yourself a little bit. Think of this as a night going out. Get some sushi. Get some, uh, what's the Vietnamese thing? Pho. 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 I mean, you should culture yourself. Pronounce it correctly. Well, I need to culture myself. But look at watching this game at four. I'm going to watch an American game. You know, I'm going to go out to get some sushi. I'm going to get some pho. All right. Yeah, well, don't get the don't get the California roll. Get a get a legitimate sushi roll. Don't get the California roll. That's what we're urging you to do. I'm fine if you get the California roll, but yes, you, you get you get you get the metaphor here. Are you, are you the same guy that orders chicken fingers from a Chinese restaurant? No, I get General Giles every single time. All right, good order, good order. 
phenomenal officer that general guy great man all right anyways uh the final game in uh upcoming season and i was actually kind of torn on this one father um and i'll preface this by saying bad slate this weekend not 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 a lot of good games but we we need to we need to have a bad saturday so we can prepare ourselves for the upcoming saturdays because i don't know if you know this yet father but uh next week conference tournaments yeah (laughs) all right right. anyway Okay, all right. Uh, I'll contain myself. So I was split on this one between Baylor and Kansas State in Manhattan. It's a night game on Saturday. And a surprising one, Seton Hall versus Georgetown. Now, Baylor-Kansas State, we've talked about Big 12 teams throughout the year. It's a big game. Kansas State should win, but Baylor's kind of tough. Whenever you think they're going to lose, they always perform. Makai Mason's a big shot getter. They're a great rebounding team, good defensive team. It's probably going to be like a low, high 50s, low 60s game on Saturday night in Manhattan. Kansas State will probably eke it out because they just got blown out by Kansas. That's enough analysis on that one because I really want to talk about the Seton Hall-Georgetown one. Don't look up, all right? I'm not telling you to look up, but if you were to look up, you could see Georgetown is sniffing around that bubble. Patrick Stop. Ewing, he hit 16 and 11. Pat Ewing is not dead yet. All right. They're sniffing around. And when you think of the Big East, you look at the Big East. I swear to God, every single night, one, the home team's favored by five points, and then the road team will win. So, like, Creighton could play Xavier, or Butler could play Providence, or – uh, you know, Villanova could go on the road against DePaul. Like all these teams are the exact same, and they're always close games. They all play the same same style. But this one right here, somehow Georgetown has emerged from the muck. They've they've come out of the mud. Pat Ewing's got McClung attached to his hip. He's got Jesse Govan, his big man. They're they're looking around like, wait, we're, we're still here. We're still here. And if they beat Seton Hall. On Saturday, you know, I'm excited about this one to the point where I might go to this game. I could go to that game if I wanted to. I might get in there and see Ewing emerging from the mud. See Govan leading this team. Don't I think on Georgia. I think you should go. Taking some live theater there. I don't think Georgetown's going to win this game, unfortunately, because Kevin Willard is part of that bald-headed fraternity that just scraps and claws that we've referenced a couple times now. And that just punches his way out of these types of games. All right. So I'm going to take Kevin Willard up against he's, he's already look, he he's beaten St. John's this year. All right. This is going to be a tall task in in Georgetown, but Kevin Willard and Seton hall are going to go into Georgetown. And this is the perfect letdown game for, for Georgetown. They're almost there. They're almost there in terms of, Ewing having the having turned around the program and getting them back to a tournament team. I think they're just going to miss out on that tournament. Uh, give me Kevin Willard and Seton Hall, but you should definitely go. Go see McClung. See what the future holds for Georgetown. And his uh, Govan, Jesus Christ, that guy's been there, I swear, since like Patrick Ewing's son went there, Patrick Ewing Jr. I, I swear he's been there since Otto Porter. I'm pretty sure he was on the bench when they got upset against Davidson in Florida Gulf Coast. All right. I want to read off and we can discuss this with the crier when we get him on here in a few moments, but they're so Seton Hall, you think they're so much better than Georgetown? That's the I think, I think they're going to win. I never said they're so much better. I think they're they, going to win. They have the same record. They're both 16 and 11. 
Seton Hall, 16 and 11. Xavier, 15 and 13. Georgetown, 16 and 11. Butler, 15 and 13. Creighton, 15 and 13. Providence, 16 and 13. Everybody's the same. Literally, everybody's the same. Except for Marquette and Villanova. <sighs> Villanova's somewhere in between those. The, the the mire the quagmire of, of all that all those teams and then uh marquette i mean you're right by the standings that's that's correct marquette's 12 and 2 villanova's 11 and 4 and then that's how you teams. that's how you provide analysis right there wow good i think you should get get into into that game though a little life that can can hurt so I have. yeah i went to a georgetown game last year at the verizon center capital one arena Without further ado, let's go ahead and get the crier in here, introducing the Providence, or reintroducing, excuse me, the Providence crier, Mike Surratt. (laughs) All right, we want to welcome back the Providence crier, a.k.a. Mike Surratt. He's a recurring guest technically now. This is your second time back. And I think, number one, that means we've made it. It may also mean that you've made it, Surratt. How does it feel being a recurring guest on Titch? Oh, very excited. Uh, Wallace Cedars, this is the best time of the year, man. Great time to be here. What the hell happened in that Providence game? Because you weren't on on with us when I introduced the show, and me and Nap actually had a bit of a spat because he was ready to go, and I told him that I wanted to watch the end of the Providence game. I thought you guys would have it locked up, and then you kind of pissed your pants <laughs> towards the yeah. end of regulation. What happened in overtime? I didn't even see. Well, Complete meltdown. They're up seven with, with like a minute 30 left. They take a stupid three, like 20 seconds left in the shot clock. On the other end, they foul and one. Before you know, we're headed to overtime. And in overtime, we just, we can't hit any threes. We hit two monster, like from Mars threes, of course. Why not? Incredible. Yeah. I mean, Surrett, to kind of defend my position, I, I didn't think that a, Providence Butler game when both of you guys are essentially 500 uh, down years for both programs would warrant delaying the beginning of this podcast. I, I, frankly, I don't think you guys are worth it. Oh, I, I mean, I agree with you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm not debating it, but uh, hey, this is my life. All right. Well, so the main reason I wanted to get you back on here is because over this past weekend, I saw a picture of you and Gus Johnson. Now, the first time we had you on the program, you had an absolutely hilarious story about your interaction with Gus and how it kind of bombed. Now, can you tell us, first of all, give us some historical context for the new theater goers that we've gained since the last time we spoke to you. What happened on that initial conversation or meet up with Gus? And then how'd you redeem yourself this past weekend? Yeah. So, um, for those who, who didn't hear the story the first time, uh, I was at the biggest tournament when the, when the Friars beat Creighton in the final. Um, it was about four years ago, I think, five years ago. Anyways, uh, you know, I, I had a, a few too many at the game, obviously, rooting for the Friars. And at the end of the game, they're, you know, they're cutting down the nets. I'm all excited. Like, I've moved to the front row. And um, I see Gus. And in my drunken stupor, I just, I'm like, gosh, like, how are you doing? Like, I honestly, you must have thought I, I was a special needs person because I am handicapped. I'm four feet tall, for those who don't know. And he just sees 
this little guy just like screaming at him, like, oh, Gus, you like the fires? And his wife was there and like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, yeah, we like the fires. <laughs> very, very embarrassing. I, I blew it. Like there's, there's no, there's no other way of putting it. Uh, but yeah, the Saturday PC Marquette was my redemption. I get into the game. I try and get my hint. So I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, I'm an owner of the dunk part owner. And, uh, our seats are way up high. Yeah, I know, right? Well, yeah, I feel like I'm an owner, you know? But anyways, our seats are way up high, but I usually go for the handicap upgrade, you know? Like, let's get these seats a little nicer. So, (laughs) (laughs) of course, why not? And, uh, so we get the upgrade, and usually it's like either in a hockey press box. They put me up there sometimes. Uh, sometimes they'll put me in a nicer handicap area. But for some reason, they give me like a row behind courtside. So here I am. Very I'll nice. take it. The, the handicap upgrade. PC Marquette, what, what could get better than this? Anyways, the Flyers are, are, are getting killed. It's halftime. And I see uh, Jim Jackson walk by, works for Fox Sports. My like, oh, he must be doing the game. Then, of course, I see this this little man in a button-down jeans and some Nikes. I'm like, my God, it's Gus. It's my chance. <laughs> a redemption. He walks off. All right, I'm not going to bother him right now. I, I compose myself, get ready for this. Uh, so he comes back. He's loosening the tie, which was kind of a weird move. You're about to go back on TV. You're loosening the tie. And we nicely asked if we could take a photo. And uh, he said, sure. We took the photo. It was great. And he tells my buddy, my buddy's like, yeah, man, like, what do you think of the Friars? He's like, they stink. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame them. They do stink. But anyway, so we took the photo. It was great. At the end of the game, I actually see him in the bathroom. Because, you know, I'm where my luxurious seats were was by, like, the locker room bathroom. So, I'm in the bathroom with Gus at the end of the game. I'm like, right, I'm sorry, Gus. This team just sucks. <laughs> and he's like, you know, it's it's too much defense, no offense. You're not going to win games. I'm like, you know, I know. So so there it was. There's my redemption. I, I made peace. Gus doesn't think I'm a special needs person mentally. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't cross-eyed. So it was a win in my book, honestly. Now, did you bring up the fact that you had met him, you know, many no. moons ago? No, I, you know, I thought that would only make things worse. <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it seems like you, you crushed it with him. Great. You, you didn't try too hard. You know, you, you came to him naturally, you got the photo and then you, you know, you, you have the kind of the running, theme of your conversation about the Providence not being team, not being too uh, stout this year. It seems like you and Gus, there's, there's going to be another chapter to be written here. I, I, I can only hope. Right. I mean, but yeah, I, I didn't want to bring up the past because like, that's the last thing I wanted to do is relive that again. Cause Oh boy, I was a mess. Yeah. Well, so I think the first time we interviewed you, we asked you, do you think he would recognize you? And I'm just envisioning a scenario where you like you go up to him and he's like, "Oh, I remember you, weren't you at the Creighton PC game <laughs> title game a couple of years back at MSG? Yeah, you you had a few too many, didn't you, Michael? He, he was probably thinking it. Let's be honest. I mean, 
He very well could have, yeah. You, you, you don't forget a guy with a walker. You definitely didn't forget, but he's probably not going to be like, hey, weren't you that uh, guy that was cross-eyed? Why don't you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a good conversation with him. You talked a little little strategy with Gus. That's more than a lot of other people can say, and Gus is an absolute treasure for people our age growing up. I, I've been blessed to meet both Gus and Bill Raftery at Fire Games. Rank them. Now that you have your redemption story with Gus, rank this meeting with Gus versus, I mean, you, you can't really rank them. Just which one is better? Uh, I'd probably say Gus because I was actually, you know, when I met Raft, I was pretty sober then. Yeah, I took a photo. It was very nice. I asked him where he was going out, though. He wouldn't tell me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know he was going out to the bar right after. So uh, I'll, I'll give it to Gus because, you know, Come on, Raft. Like, tell me where you're going. <laughs> like, let's have a drink. Why not? All right. So, who's who? So, uh, the hold on of the college basketball pundits. Who is your next big target? Is it Rothstein? Yeah. Um, my roommate met met Rothstein. They went down, like, said hi to him. I forget what game it was that we're at, but he was doing the sideline because you know, you know, Ross. He, like, like he, he can't do it from the studio. That's not enough. He's no. got to be a sideline reporter too. He's got to be boots on the ground. I'd want to meet Ian Eagle. I love Ian Eagle. Oh, did you hear, did you hear him doing the Ja Rule thing on uh, Saturday yeah. when Bucky was killing Auburn? No, I, no, but I am a big, big Ian guy. I will agree with you. Great voice, Jim Nance. I feel like I wouldn't want to meet Jim Nance. It, it would just be like a that leave that conversation feeling like I was, didn't live up to his expectations of me, even though we've never met before. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, I agree. Um, you know who I would definitely, if I did meet, I would just cuss him out. Hack Goodman. No, I, I don't mind hack. Uh, oh, I hate hack. I fucking hate hack. And he's an Arizona guy too. I've been, I've been cussing hack out since 2009. I yeah. I'm, I got a good decade of work on Hack Goodman right now. But all right, who, what were you going to say, Sarah? Dan Dockage. Oh, I love Dockage. I'm with you, man. Oh Let me know. God. Let me know if you need me next to you. Oh my! Now, how do you shark? How do you love Dan Dockage? I he is fearless when it comes to calling a game, and he, he's funny. He he's got no filter. He he, he kind of knows what he's talking about with some respect. He's got a little bit of a. Uh, don't laugh at me as I say this, but his watching of a college basketball game is pretty similar to Tony Romo watching an NFL football game. That's it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, come on. He, he, calls the, he calls things in front of you as they happen. He knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he calls it like he sees it. He's a Big Ten homer, and he picked Ohio State to be in the Final Four last year. <laughs> well, it's because his, his kid was on the team, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, man. I love that move. It's the same. You guys, you went to Providence. You picked Providence to go to the Final Four. He's not getting paid by ESPN to be neutral. But nobody's like paying for ESPN or ESPN's products or advertisers aren't paying to get spots on ESPN because Dan Dockich is college basketball analyst and analysis. I, I mean, mean I'll, give him, I'll, I'll give him this. He, he is so goddamn lucky that they were able to have a decent year and they're in the top 25 and they're better than people thought. Because that, I'm sorry, that, that was brutal. I he blocked that. me on Twitter. 
That's another reason. Why. So, right. Let's go, baby. Welcome to the Block Twitter Club. So <laughs> I was going to say, call me if you go and pick a bone with Dockage because I'll try and get there as soon as possible. But it will have to take a back seat to my hatred towards Dick Vitale. He's also blocked me on Twitter. But he blocked me on my personal account, not the Theater and College Hoops account. So I can try and rib him there. But, yeah. Now, oh. why don't you go ahead and get blocked by someone then enter this conversation? I'm blocked by a lot of DC sports radio guys. If you look at my Twitter <laughs> feed, I, I have a lot of Redskins tweets, so I've been blocked by them. But hey, I, I've, I've noticed. I've noticed. Surrett, actually, real quick, speak. And I'm sure our, our buddy Haskar is going to enjoy this. Speaking of Twitter personalities and college basketball pundits, this guy Bill Koch, who covers the URI Rams, are you familiar with him at all? Yeah, I mean, he's a scrub, just just like that kid. He's second tier. You know, you got Bill Koch. And you got uh, uh, Kevin McNamara. McNamara's the big shot. He covers the Friars. And you got a little Cokie off the side there for the Rams. Pathetic. <laughs> little Cokie. <laughs> little Cokie. <laughs> I mean, we tried to get him on the program. Really? Yeah, he didn't respond, but. Oh. Little Cokie. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you. What does the conversation sound like when you upgrade seats to Reds? Do you just do you like go up to the security guy or the usher and just kind of like wave your walker, or do you say, "Hey, are you going to hook me up here?" Like, what what does that conversation sound like? They know by now. I mean, typically the way it goes is like non-conference schedule. You're not; it's not a full house, so I'm just taking a handicap seat until they tell me to get out, and they don't tell me to get out. So that, that's the game plan there. But then when you reach biggest play. You know, it gets colder. People in province have nothing else to do but go to the dunk. It, it gets a little harder. So I have to go to, like, the – there's, like a, like, a PC section, like, guest services. I'm just like, hey, it's me again. There you go. <laughs> Here are my tickets. <laughs> what, what, what do you got today, baby? What are we doing? Press box? Doing, like, what, what are we doing it? Uh, all right. I'm going to ask you a serious question now. Uh, and it's actually not that serious, but – Sub and I had a conversation with respect to the Big East, kind of the middle of the Big East, all these teams, and I'll lump Providence into there as well. But, you know, the Providences, the Xaviers, the Seton Halls, the Georgetowns, the Creightons, which of those teams not named, you know, Villanova, Marquette, or St. John's can you see making it into the tournament? As an at-large or just winning the – yeah, as an at-large, because you're you're going to say Providence is going to win the Big East tournament, I, right? Yeah, but they won't. As a, but but as an at-large, with, with as weak as the bubble is this year, honestly, like Seton Hall. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not that high of the Big East this year. I, I'm really not. Uh, I touched on know. this in the show earlier. I said Georgetown's going to beat Seton Hall this week, and then Georgetown's sneaky going to be a, a tournament team. I can see it. I mean, McClung, man. You, you don't want to get McClung. You, you really don't. I've been there. You've been there. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think see, I'll give it to Seton Hall just because they have that prolific score in Miles Powell. And that's really what separates all the, like, these teams. You know, Novaz Booth, uh, Marquette has Howard and the Hauser brothers. St. John's has got Ponds and uh, – Mustafa Haran, and you look at the rest of the teams, they, they don't have that go-to guard that can score in bunches when you really need it. So 
That's what I'll just see home. Who's who's that little point guard for Georgetown? I'm trying to make a social network reference here. The movie, The Social Network. What's the little point guard for Georgetown? On, on the team right now? Yes. He's got like a super Italian name or Alski name. Greg Malinowski? Malinowski. That's him. So here's my here's my reach of a social network refi. Malinowski for Georgetown is Zuckerberg. And the Hauser brothers for Marquette are the Winklevoss twins, the Winkle, the Winklevi. So there's a little social network going on there between Georgetown and, and Marquette, and that's that's theater, a little theater right there for you. How annoying I mean, are the are the Hauser brothers? How much oh, how much do, do the Big East teams hate those two? Don't get me started. I I fucking cannot stand a Steve Wojciechowski led Marquette Golden Eagles. I'll tell you what, that guy is a wannabe Coach K little bitch. And of course, you think it's an accident that he got two two little brothers on the team? He did what did Coach K do with the Plumleys and the Joneses? He's, he's, he's a wannabe Coach K hack. I hate him. How far but do you see Marquette good. going? Do you, do you see Marquette going far? Uh, no, I see him second round out. I'm with All him. Right. I love it. I, I love the crier. I'm with him. Can't play defense, and they'll they'll be like, "Oh, well, we shut down Province. Yeah, we we can't play offense. So kudos, like great. <laughs> you, you held us to fifty points. Good job. No, but I like, completely agree with you, man. Yeah, I mean, like I got into it with a fan at the end of the game. I was like, "Have fun getting getting out in the second round." I was like, "Who do you think it'll be?" My my bet is Virginia Tech. I can see them getting matched up with Virginia Tech and just getting bounced. See you oh, later. Virginia Tech's gonna be seated too high after they just. Beat I know. Duke. Well, yeah, I know. But yeah, both of those, yeah, those guys are gonna be three seed, three to five seeds. So maybe, maybe if they both end up on the five four line, it, it could happen. Honestly, the only team I really like in the East to make a decent run, and I don't even think they'll go that far. Uh, St. John's. Um, the only, the only thing that's in St. John's way is St. John's. They play very individualistic basketball. Very selfish, but they, they got five guys that can really play. So. St. John's is such an enigma to me, man. They beat Villanova at home after being down 20 or so. So they were pretty much dead to rights. I think it was a couple of weeks ago when they were at home against Nova and they ended up winning that game. And then they lost to you guys, right? Twice. They beat Villanova and Marquette. They've gone 3-1 and one against them, and they, they got swept yeah. by us. Damn. What a that, I mean – but it's like both games are very similar. They like PC, you know, we suck at everything except playing hard defense and being physical, trying the best we can here. And uh, that, that just seemed to, for, for whatever reason, just, just make St. John's implode. Pretty hilarious. You, you should have seen the second game. Uh, Marvin Clark of St. John's, he got called for his fourth foul, gets a technical for arguing, gets ejected. He's on the bench, gets another technical, gets thrown out of the game. <laughs> We're in their heads. I, I hope we play them at MSG. I really do. We'll probably beat them. Hey, speaking of the conference tournaments, though, Jerome is Dude. upon us. The Jerome is almost here, and we're gonna. We should actually shark next weekend or next week's episode. We should dedicate it to Jerome picks uh, if we're. Close to, I mean, they should be all all pretty much set for seating. But, but Jerome, you got any interesting Jerome picks for us? And 
if you can try and pick some outside of the power five, power six, I should say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, your, your buddy O'Rourke and I were talking about this the other day. This is the, this is the Jerome of all Jeromes this year. Think about some of the guys that are in this Jerome. We got Chris Clemens of Campbell. We got the dominator who just scored 3000 points in, in uh, South Dakota state. We got Devontae Kaycock of the uh, UNC Wilmington Seahawks. They're in dead last in the Colonial again, I think. But Kaycock is a walking double-double. I think he's like third in the country in rebounds. The guy's a beast. I'm excited. So, yeah. Don't sleep on my guys in Toledo either. Toledo. For some reason, he loves Toledo. I love it. I love Toledo. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All the bubble teams really got to be worried about friggin' Buffalo uh, in the MAC if they get upset because that's going to be that's going to steal some bits. That, I hate to see it. That and also the Pac-12, which is essentially a mid-major conference and probably shouldn't be a Power Six conference. But if Washington doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament, that's right. going to suck for some bubble teams. <laughs> sure will. Uh, I like. Um, let's see in the Pac. I think Utah and Stanford are two teams to watch out for. They might they may surprise people. I'm with you on Utah. Stanford is horrible. They're all pretty horrible. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, actually I'd, – I'd be closer to leaning to Stanford with you because actually they have the most NBA-ready player in the entire conference. Dijon Davis. Yeah, no, Van Casey Akpala. Casey Akpala is going to be a top 10, top, top 15 pick. I have zero really? idea how Jared Haas recruited him to, to Stanford. <laughs> I mean, Haas looks like an accountant. I have no idea what he's doing on yeah, a college basketball he, sideline. He really does. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know who I, I forgot I, I about? You, that. You're going to hate this. Uh, I actually really like Arizona State. <laughs> I, no, that's, that's okay. They're, they're pretty solid. Actually. They actually might get in without having to win the Pac-12 tournament. Right, right. Now, right now, Lunardi has them as an 11 seed actually. So I could see that, but yeah, I mean, Jerome is just ugh. in summer. It's not on the same level as picking March madness, no. right? It's not on the same not. level as the NCAA tournament, but God damn it. If it isn't the best appetizer, I mean, this isn't just some garbage like escargot. This is like the wings and skin sampler. You ever, you ever been to the 99 Surrette? Oh yeah. Wings and skin sampler, man. I used to bury that as a full oh, yeah, meal. Wait. But but the wings and skin sampler is just, you got potato skins, jumbo ass wings, man. It's just perfect. I think maybe they added some mozzarella sticks. It's the perfect appetizer before you dive into the real thing. And that's what Jerome is. Yeah. For those of you not, well, just to jump in quickly there, for those of you not from Massachusetts or the greater New England area, if you don't know what the 99 is, it's essentially the greatest American chain restaurant you could ever package into one establishment. It is outstanding, outstanding American food. If they had the scenery and the optics that you could get with the Buffalo Wild Wings, and we're talking about one of the greater national wonders within this country. But as it sits right now, it doesn't have the sports TV aspect to it. But the 99 phenomenal restaurant, you have to go if you're ever in Massachusetts. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. There's 99 reasons you always come back for more. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more about the Jerome. You really haven't lived until you got your Xbox streaming ESPN plus some stupid tournament 
like a son. You're watching Lipscomb. These guys are burying threes. You're like, oh my god, I might have to pick these guys as an upset in the actual tournament. It, it's the best. You haven't lived. The Ivy League is always a lot of fun too. I'm looking. For, there have been some crazy buzzer beaters in the Ivy League, especially involving Harvard. So yeah, I mean, ever since they changed it to an actual tournament. Yeah, and. While we're on the topic of the Jerome, and we'll, we'll announce this next week as well, but if any of the listeners out there that are interested in joining our Jerome pool, just tweet at us, and we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch with you, and we'll make it happen. Surrett, I got one last question for you before Shark gives his last question, if he has any, but your boy, your roommate, O'Rourke, in a fit of frustration, I can only assume that's what it was texted our group chat said fire ed cooley i'm going to repeat that he texted fire ed cooley now cooler heads prevailed pun intended cooler heads prevailed and he said look i take it back but is there some rumblings in providence no definitely no rumblings but i mean you can't help but feel like everyone's kind of let down this year um they, they have the athletes you know, and they've just, they just can't score. And at, at some point, you know, I, I think the blame's on everyone. It's the players, definitely Cooley. Cooley's had some bad coaching decisions late in games. His substitution patterns are sometimes questionable. You definitely question it, but, I mean, this is the guy that's brought PC to five straight tournaments before this year. I mean, even though we haven't had much success in the tournament, there's no way you're firing Cooley after one down year. But, uh, you know, next year's the prophecy, 2020, Final Four run, the crier prophecy. If, if, if they don't make the tournament next year, then that seat starts to get a little hot. But Cooley has a pretty long leash in Providence. I, yeah, no, it's nuts. My question was going to be about the, the prophecy, so I'm glad you brought it up naturally right there. Uh, we'll see if it comes through. And also, you know, you said you, the blame goes around to everyone. Do you take some blame yourself? for the uh, disappointing season? Uh, yeah, yeah I, could, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely could take some blame. I've skipped writing about the team because they've just frustrated me so much. But mostly it's on the players. Like, come on, I'm just a plugger. Players <laughs> and coaches. That's right. Mike Surrett, the Providence Crier, thanks so much again for joining us, man. We'll see you down the road. Jerome's season almost here. That's our season right now. Because everything is preseason for Arizona and Providence up until their conference tournaments. Shark has the luxury of being the top two seed. This is our season in about a week or so, all right, bud? Can't wait. Thanks for having me. See you guys. See you, man. All right. Thanks again to the Providence Crier for joining us. Let's roll right into segments here, Shark. This week in feet. Actually, I'm going to hold off on this week in feet. Let's let's give some hugs. All right, you got any hugs to give out? Uh, yeah, let me look at my hug real quick. Uh, so, hug I have written down. Oh, my hug is people that don't like sports. So <laughs> that's my, what my that's who I'm giving my hug to. If you don't like sports, I'm giving you the hug because you are about to enter a, a an arena where nearly every single weekend sports is going to be relevant from conference tournaments, Jerome to March madness to 
you know, the Kentucky Derby to a big boxing match to the NBA playoffs to the start of baseball. Really, if you don't like sports, the next breather, the next time you're coming up for air, the next time you're, you know, doing the, I forget who I use this reference on, but where, where the boat's sinking and you're swimming up to the top and you're just gasping for air and you're making the otter noises, the Bradley Cooper, the sack lodge from, you're making those noises. The next time is the all-star game, the day after the all-star game for baseball, baseball. for baseball. <laughs> and there's literally no sports. That's the next time you're going to get a little breather because you just had this period from the end of the Super Bowl until the Oscars this past week. You know, ultimate, like, I'm, I'm a nerdy film guy. You know, like, I, be, I believe in art and, you know, film and, you know, art. I don't know. I just said the same thing twice. Twice. But your run is done. Your time is over. All right? Now is the time when the men, the sports lovers, ride in on their horses, bare-chested for the next four months. We got a gauntlet, baby. <laughs> we got a gauntlet. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a lot of TV watching. It's going to be a lot of bar stool sitting. It's going to be a lot of beer drinking. And for me personally, it's going to be a lot of couch cruising. I made a crate. I made a small little indent. He told me to pace myself a couple weeks ago, and I did that. These next four months, I'm going to get real acquainted with that couch. It's going to shift a little bit. I might actually take a before and after picture. That's what I should do before picture of the couch to see where it is in the location, just to see how it migrates a little Pangea action. So I agree with you hug for the non-sports lovers. I'm going to give out my hug to Jack white, big man for Duke. He is in a severe shooting drought from beyond the arc over his last 27. The Aussie again, I'm going to repeat that the Aussie is O for his last 27. A dingo ate his three-pointer. No, not even a little fiddle? I, I, I can't give you anything on that. Come on, man. Jack White, though. Oh, 27, man. Just terrible. And we, we say how they're missing Zion. Obviously, that's huge. And the other guys need to step up. R.J. Barrett, Cam, Trey Jones, even Javin Delorier, those role players. Jack White, dude, give us something from beyond the arc. Or don't, don't take the threes anymore. At some point, when you go over your last 27, you got to think to yourself, hey, this, this isn't necessarily shoot or shoot. This is me hurting the team by taking these shots. Either pass the ball or drive the lane. Over your last 27, man, hug for you because the good Lord knows you need it right now. Let's roll right into this week in the twit time, as is tradition. Twit time. Uh, this week in feet. Let me pull this up. If you think you have a home court advantage, if you think Kansas, Kentucky, right, Duke, Carolina, all these blue blood programs, even Arizona at one point, not, not these past two years, but all these big time programs that you think of that just don't lose at home. You really got nothing on the same Bonaventure Bonnies. The Bonnies this week in deep lost to Niagara to break a 99-game home winning streak. Heartbreak Hotel for Woj and the boys. But this week in Thiet, Niagara defeating the Bonnies to snap their 99-game home winning streak. February was tough for Twit, man. Very difficult because not a lot Wait, of when, noteworthy when things happen? happen in February. When I did their nine? Yeah, you got to give 50? it a date. Oh, yeah. 
You didn't get the was You made it seem like that streak just ended. There's no way the Bonnies have won 99 straight at home. You ruined it. This was this. What's the what's the theater? But it's the opposite. Like the crowd knows what's happening, but the but the actors on stage don't. This is this is vice versa. We knew what was happening. The four the theater goers didn't. Dramatic irony. You broke That's the what you wall. The what? The fourth wall? Is that what you're talking about? That might be it. I don't know. Who knows? Thank God. Thank God. Uh, you know, we're out of that stretch run where the arts was relevant over sports. Seriously, I need I need March to come up on me, man. I need it to come up on me like Alec Baldwin came up on Ben Stiller and along came Polly. Just just wiggle in the ear, dude. I'm literally crawling to the end of. February right now I can I'm, I'm literally on my hands and knees just dragging myself to the finish line I can see it it's right in front of me but yeah you're I'm burning you're, you're defraining right now I think you're defraining I, I am defraining you crawled through 10 miles of shit that's what that's what I'm doing right now that's what we're all doing right now yes right now we're defraining but by the time we speak to you guys next we'll be in March baby conference tournament NCAA tournament Greg Gumble, where am I? I love the Dufraining verb, baby. I love it. <laughs> Keep Dufraining. Keep Dufraining, and we'll see you on the other side. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>